All right. Okay. Welcome to the weekly Bible study, KLS Kingdom Learning Space, weekly online Bible study uh, here, hosted by Mark Egbeko. And it's good to have you all on with us tonight. We're looking forward to having a great time together around the word of the Lord. And we're looking to hear from God tonight. I'm, I'm grateful, so, so very grateful to be in this time and space now where we are uh, in the seasons in God and what he is saying to us and what he is uh, desiring to do in the earth all over. So I'm just so grateful for this opportunity and to, to be here. And I thank uh, my dear friend and brother, uh, Mark Beckel for this opportunity to share uh, and to to um to come to come forth we have a a dear friend and uh, brother uh Charbert alexander um him and his wife unica have become dear dear close friends to us uh for a very very short period of time uh, it did not take very long for this couple to get deep into our hearts and uh there's relationship forming more and more and we're just so grateful for uh, each of them and we're going to have Charbert to share the word of the Lord with us this evening uh, for Bible study. And he's a, just a great man of God, just a great friend, a great brother, one who loves the Lord. And that'll come across, I'm sure, in his communication with us tonight. So, Shabbard, uh, if you're ready, over to you. Welcome to the um, weekly on, on, uh, online Bible study, KLS, Kingdom Learning Space. Over to you, Shabbard. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Kelvin. Beautiful. All uh, right, good evening to everyone. It's nice being here. Um, looking forward to uh, our interaction and seeing where God brings this time of, uh, of fellowship. Um, so it's, it's a privilege being, being with mighty men. <laughs> when you consider guys like, like Mark and, and Kelvin, I consider these my my big brothers. So if I were to misbehave, someone has the right to report, you know, call them up, say, hey, this guy is, is getting out of line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's really nice to just connect with everyone. I'm gonna try to share my screen uh, for a bit and see where we go. So just let me know if you're seeing um, my screen, what you're seeing. And we looking can good. All right, good. I just hope I share the right screen. <laughs> okay, you know, some time ago, uh, I was listening to Mark's um, some presentations, and he was basically talking about uh, unusual um, times of unusual something. And I found that word unusual was really standing out. Whether we looked at COVID, whether we looked at our personal challenges. And I wanted to basically just kind of zero in and maybe we could all uh, delve into that. Looking at the question of sight in the day of unusual change, how do we respond to change or when change comes upon us? but change that is unusual which we have never participated in before something we have no points of reference to we are clueless as to where this thing has come from how do we navigate in a context like that 
a critical uh, component I would want to submit to us is the question of having sight, all right, uh, in that day when there is unusual change. And I would like also just um, kind of look at this scripture in Colossians, uh, Colossians 3, uh, 1 to 2. And I would read it from the Message Bible. I think it kind of uh, explains it or expresses this thought very nicely. So let's just do that. So it says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along your eyes on the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. And I find that statement to be very um, significant. Don't shuffle, don't drag your foot along the ground. It's almost as if you have someone walking and he or, he or she is not willing to lift their foot or not using much energy as it were to lift your foot from off the ground but you're dragging along the way it's almost as if your your foot is come somewhat stuck to the ground and you, you haven't got the capacity or energy to lift it to walk very effectively and in a very sober manner so here it is he's saying to us don't shuffle along with your eyes on the ground and absorbed by the things right in front of you what are the things that are right in front of us and how are those things impacting us are we absorbed by them uh, to the point that maybe it's overwhelming but how or do we see beyond uh just the very in front of our toes but significantly the writer is saying to us look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. Yes, yes, uh, there are things happening in front of us. Yes, there are circumstances that are looking and are seeking to grab our attention, but there is a command to look up and look at the things that are going on around Christ. That's where the real action is. And we are instructed to see things from his perspective. And that's where I would like us to just kind of zero in a bit for this evening. Seeing things from his perspective, particularly in a time of unusual change. And also, I think this, this has very strong personal um, application for us on, on this side of the world, all right? Because we are into a period of unusual change. And what is significant is having his perspective. What is he seeing? What is he showing? What is he wanting to show us? And uh, I think that is that is very significant. So let's look at the question of qualifying sight. Well, the obvious response, if you were to ask somebody what is sight, there is also the ability to see objects in front of you. So we can see whether there is a, a, a car coming that potentially could jam us or kill us or cause an accident. Or we could see, you know, lands or houses or um, nice scenery 
Yes, that is one aspect of it, but we want to go beyond just the earth-based physical site and lift our gaze to a dimension that is one invisible, but very real, very active, very potent, very strong. We want to look at that dimension. We want to um, gaze into that uh, and see what it is he is showing. All right. So we can say sight basically is the ability to capture accurately the spiritual realm around us. There is an ability to discern, to recognize, to capture, to comprehend the spiritual climate that is around us. And I think that is very, very significant. What lies behind this physical thing that I'm seeing? What is beyond this thing? Because in truth and in fact, the realness of the expression that we are seeing is motivated by a world beyond this thing. And as I'm saying that, I'm just reminded of, of this scenario with this woman speaking at the hour of prayer. These are sons of the Most High God, yea, he them. They've come to show us the way of salvation. That is powerful, that is potent and true. But yet, there was something beyond or behind that statement to the extent at which it vexed the spirit of the apostles. So there was an ability to capture something, sight of a reality that existed beyond just words. What are the realities that are existing beyond our natural, physical circumstance? Are we discovering that? Are we accurately capturing that? See, Job friends did not accurately capture his dilemma. And his dilemma did not come about because he had an issue. His dilemma came about because there was a discussion between God and Satan. And Job was just the outplay of that discussion. So his friends started to say, you know, man, have you ever seen a righteous man suffer like this or suffer like this? It must be something that our dear brother has done. Nonetheless, um, their sight was limited only to that very physical realm. But I believe as we are moving into, let's say, a new year, God wants us to receive a, a, a degree of sight into what it is that is lying beyond our current context. What is it? What is the true nature of that uh, situation? We can also say sight is the, the perception of a realm that is not visible to the natural eyes. And I think that is where the, the rubber hits the road. Perception of activities, life in another dimension that is not visible to natural eyes. That's when we have, that's when we are seeing and uh, we can operate within those both dimensions. So you see, as the earth, you know, um, plugs into on 
imaginable change, whether it is COVID, whether it is uh, terrorism, uh, natural disasters like what we've just seen in the US with the tornado. As the earth plunges deeper and deeper into these catastrophes, sight of the true reality is needed. If not, there is the possibility that hearts collapse. Heart, man's heart fail them because of the dread of what they see physically. But an ability to really see the realness, I think, strengthens and fortifies the heart. One of the most glaring picture of this is what we see in the book of Kings, Second Kings 6. Here is it, Elisha's servant wakes up and goes out, you know, from the 10th in the morning. And there he sees around them horses and men on horses. And it's almost as if their camp is surrounded. Yes, that's the reality of the, of, of the event in the natural. But beyond that, there is a truth that must be discovered. And that truth is available to us. That truth that is available to us. So Gehazi needed to come into that dimension where he could see the thing that is behind the thing, the thing that is behind the army and the horses and the chariots on the hill. So the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And then he saw actually that there were more with them than the physical army that he saw. So we want to see from that vantage point because it, 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 it does something to us. It calibrates our situation. It gives us a, a different posturing, a different stance as to how we really engage and walk. Our walk is not driven or, or energized by the natural things that we see, but it is energized by the, 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 the life source of Orion that is uh, not very visible to, to natural eyes. All right, so we're not going to be distracted or limited to the earth-based sight. We want to see the realness of things. We want to see the reality, the truth of the matter. Yes, it may be true that around us, around you, whatever your situation may be, that horses and chariots and an army may be surrounding you. Yeah, that might be a fact. But the truth is, more are with us, more are with you than are with them. But that requires a certain degree of sight to really capture, comprehend, and lay hold of and, 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 and war with. When we understand and see those who are with us, it, 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 it gives um, power, energy, grace to stand and fight. And that I think is absolutely significant. Now, 
in the process of acquiring sight, you know, there must be correct internal posture. So we must be correctly calibrated, adjusted, aligned. And we can see that being amplified in the Psalms. Psalms 24 says, you know, who may ascend into the hills of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. And the, the, the critical thing about this is that these are issues that people cannot see. But those are absolutely critical internal issues that my brothers cannot see. But it is critical to my ability to acquire sight, which benefits my brother, which complements my brother, which I value to my brother. So my internal correctness, our internal correctness is significant. You know, and one of the things that we have experienced is the is the opportunity and the occasion are coming active and alive, are arising to check, to test, to prove, to show, to expose the internal posture. Is it correct? <laughs> And, you know, in, in the Caribbean, if two persons are having an argument, one of the things that uh, we may say is that, let me give you a piece of my mind. It, it's like, I want to just tell you all the things that I have stored up inside of me about you, but I've never gotten the opportunity to offload, but yet, we may be very good friends, we laughing and talking with each other every day, but inside is something that is there. And now an opportunity arises and then we just offload. But for us, that opportunity really comes that we take stock. It's like an internal auditing engagement. An opportunity comes for me to audit myself. And I think that plays out very well in a married situation. Like my wife, who likes to counsel me. <laughs> and you know, sometimes, man, it rubs in. But it is just the opportunity. And it's just the moment that have arisen, arose for an internal audit. And you know, you can't get away. I can't get away because it's my wife. Maybe someone else, you could, uh, let me use the word, you could duck, you could drop below the ball as it were. But being it's my wife, you have to take the shot head on. And that allows an opportunity for calibration and audit to take place. So the issue of correct posturing is necessary. The issue of, of, of looking at that determines the, the degree to which sight is obtained, and it determines the quality 
of sight that is obtained. You know, when that is done, I think the sight we obtained, it changes one's perception of reality and the natural order of things. When Gehazi was calibrated in that he could see beyond just the horsemen and the horses and the chariots, the perception of another reality hit him and the natural order of things were changed. And that's what we want to experience, a sight that changes the natural order of things. Yes, we see the army. Yes, we see an overwhelming army. Yes, we see strength beyond our natural capacity. But then we look up to a dimension beyond and we realize, hey, there is something there. There is someone there. It changes our reality and the natural order of things rearranges. So we want to cry out. I want to cry out that the Lord opened my eyes, that he opened our eyes and caused us to see, and that our natural situation, whether it's on the job, family, uh, relationship, uh, career, whatever it is, those situations, we see what the true nature is, and that changes the natural order of things. We want to see that, and not just only see that, we want to experience that, because seeing it is not just sufficient. Remember the prophet came to a place and he started to prophesy, as tomorrow, I'm just going to paraphrase it, one pound of flour will be sold for one US dollar. And one man who is on the sideline says, you must be mad. Not even if God opens a window in heaven would that be possible. And the prophet said, you know what? You will see. You will see the reality of this thing. But you will not partake. You will not engage. You will not participate in this thing. So we don't want to just stop at the... the the posture of just seeing, but we want to go beyond that and to actually engage and walk into this thing, all right? We want to cause this thing which is seen, which we capture to find expression and it expresses itself in a very physical, real, natural world. When that happens, it brings hope, transformation, it allows the kingdom of God to find residence and placement amongst us. It allows God to dwell within our midst. And that's where we want to go. So we say sight of his perspective is absolutely critical. Not just our situation, not just what we see, and we won't be, we won't be uh, uh, losing breath or become faint-hearted of what we see 
or the news or the report we receive. But we are clinging on to sight of his perspective. What is his perspective regarding us, you, regarding your situation, my situation? His perspective, of course, gives a, a different reality. And we can just see this picture played out with the Hebrew boys. They said, you know, oh, king, we respect you. We recognize you as king, but we are not bowing. And yes, you may throw us into the, the fire, but the God we serve will deliver us. And even if he does not, we are still not bowing because they captured sight of something that even in the midst and in the face of danger, the reality of fire and a fiery furnace heated seven times its normal did not really shake their internal resolve because they were postured and calibrated in a certain way because of sight. So that's what we want to see. Proper sight gives us the ability to represent accurately. And that's what we want, to represent God accurately in the earth. Hence the reason decrees can be made, utterances can be declared, because there is accuracy in our representation, how we stand in the midst of it all. And the kingdom, the kingdom whom we represent is seen by the fact that we were able to stand accurately. And in our standing and in our uh, uh, grasp towards sight and his perspective, there is absolutely no allocation for darkness or blind spots within us. And when these opportunities arise for internal checking, we willingly give ourselves to them. That the, the, the light that is in us is, is not darkness. We are not allowing any opportunity for blind spots. I like this scripture in First Peter, First Peter five and verse ten, and I'm reading it from the English Standard Version. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I think that is so powerful because of sight and, a, and, a, and an apprehension and a comprehension and a capture of this, of him. We're able to endure, we're able to endure he himself restores, confirms, strengthens, establishes. And that is the beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. So God himself is a reward. 
God himself is my reward. God himself is our reward. No matter what the situation is, he is our reward. It is he who will restore you. Yes, we may have lost things, whether it is uh, material or otherwise, relationship or otherwise, he will restore. It is he who will confirm and validate. So our, our, our posture is not one that is looking for validation or external validation or validation from someone. It is he who validates. It is he who confirms. It is he we look up to. And it is he who strengthens. Our strength does not come from systems of the earth or systems of man, but our strength comes from him. So he strengthens, he, he restores, he confirms, he establishes, and that's the beauty. He establishes. Our establishment is not based on the amount of man hours that we've put in as a tool, but because of his own divine will and purpose, he establishes us. And he's called us before time began. And that's a beautiful thing. If it was left to me or to you to establish each other, man, we would see favoritism. And we would determine who gets established, when, how, and at, at, at what cost, you know? But he himself does it. And we could rest assured and rest confidently on that, that he does it. And when he does it, man, he does it well. He does it well. I want us to look at a few more issues here before we wrap up. And I think this, this issue of veil is a, a significant consideration for us. And we could extract this out of Exodus. So I won't read the entire text, but just maybe pull out a couple of verses and uh, um, look at a few issues out of that. Uh, so there it is. Moses went up to meet the Lord, you know, on the mountain. There was interaction. Uh, there was a dialogue. And something happened to Moses. All right. That when he was finished speaking, so I'm, I'm now jumped to Exodus 34 and uh, verse 33. When Moses finished speaking, with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he removed the veil. So something happened to Moses when he engaged, interacted with the Lord on Mount Sinai. When he came down to the people, he was a different man to the extent that which the people became afraid and started to run and say, hey, uh, we, we don't want to talk to you as it were. So in order to, to speak to the people, he had to cover his face. And that, I guess, brought them up a sense of peace as it were. The critical issue I would like us to extract is what is it that is covering our face or clouding 
our eyes? What veil do we have? What veil do I have or need to address? Because you see, one of the critical consideration was when Moses went to interact with the Lord, he unveiled, he unmasked, he deliberately ensured that God got full sight of him. So there was nothing obscuring the sight. And I think the question of obscurity, what is it that is messing with my sight of him and the true nature of the things that he has positioned me within? What veil? Maybe the veil is my attitude problem. Is, is that a veil? Is it the relational issues? Are those veils that are affecting? And of course, um, for each of us, we may want to consider and ask, what is that veil that I need to unmask and allow God to have full sight of me? Because critically, gazing at God without any veil, I actually become that uh, what I'm gazing at. So just like Moses gazing at God, the radiance and the splendor and the beauty and the majesty as a God that he beholds, he actually becomes that to the extent at which the people could not really understand what has happened, what transpired and caused this transfiguration or transformation of this man. And that is, I think, the critical thing. We being transformed, this natural mortal being transformed and reflecting that of the immortal. This is why Paul, I believe, said, you know, he, he, he groans and, and labor and travail like a woman giving birth until Christ, until the Christos be formed in us, until the essence and the expression of this divine is seen in us. So I want to unveil, I want to be real to my wife. I want to be real to my brothers, my sisters. I want hypocrisy to be removed from me, uh, fakeness to be removed from me. That when one looks and, and peeps in, what he sees, what she sees is the purity of the expression of the divine existing in me. So no veil obscures the sight. No veil restricts the transactional opportunity. No veil restricts the opportunity for reflection and radiating. That I think is a significant consideration. So, what does unveiled sight looks like? I remember earlier we said that sight is the ability to accurately capture the spiritual world around us. So imagine unveiled sight allows us to know and to understand 
the realness of things around us. But it also brings a great sense of urgency. When we see the realness of things around us, it produces a sense of urgency. This is why Jesus says, I must, my meat is to do the work and to finish the task which I'm sent to do. There is this kind of urgency to finish, to do, to engage, because sight of the, the real world has taken hold of me, has taken hold of us. And we cannot but respond in a very urgent manner. Now, that site also provides safeguard from unproductive, and I, I take up this word from my wife, you know, the disputable debates. Unproductive and disputable debates. So site safeguard me from that. All right, so I'm not going to, um, like in our country, where, where people may think that, or, or, or Christians think that maybe this vaccine is the devil or the Antichrist or the 666, sight of him and the trueness and the true reality of what exists within our confine or within our environment safeguard us from this unproductive uh, engagement, engagement in disputable debates, all right? And we could be better productive. It allows us to be thoughtful in our operation, full of wisdom, full of knowledge. You have, you have wisdom to navigate because there is sight from another dimension. And that I think is, is profound that we are able to operate with, with such class and such elegance because there is a grace of, 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 that is flowing because of sight and capture of him the king eternal absolutely critical there is of course the issue of strategic execution whether it is a project or work or whatever engagement that he has entrusted into our hands your hands because of the capture, there is a, a very strategic move as to how to execute. So this is what we want to have on veil site. And we want to respond in that manner. We want to see in that manner. And I want to wrap up with these final thoughts. This is our dear friend Isaiah. We look at Isaiah in the Isaiah 6 scenario. I want to just highlight a couple instances. And out of those couple instances, we just draw out three points of consideration. One, Isaiah 6, 1, just the first part. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Of course, Isaiah would have been a prophet, I presume, operating all right and maybe even making prophecies giving words as it were but he had a sighting that caused a certain reaction and caused a sequence of events 
to unfold in his life. So he, one, he had a sight and he jumped to verses four to five. There he heard voices. But what is, <laughs> what is significant, what I like about this, you know, he's down to verse five. And um, after he saw all of these things happening and the voices in the temple and the smoke filling the temple, he says, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. It's like I'm a dead man, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. And I find that to be very profound. Despite the condition, his condition that he identified, he was still able to see the Lord to see the king. And that speaks great hope for us, that despite our condition, despite where we are at today, we still have the opportunity of sighting of him seated on the throne. And then he said in verse eight, then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as my messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Just three considerations for us to look at. Our ability to hear is hinged on the dimension of sight we behold of him. Our ability to hear him is hinged on the dimension of sight we behold of him. His ability to hear and to respond and say, here I am, is hinged on his encounter in the year that Uzziah died when he saw the Lord. But significantly, that sight which he beheld caused some sort of, uh, let me use the word, activation of transaction to take place. So sight of him activates transaction. And we could read the transaction when the angel came and put the coal on his lip and so forth. There was transaction. All right. So sight of him activates transactions. What are the transactions for me? And what does this transaction speak to your situation and your context? That is something for you and I to explore. But that transaction also initiates our authorized movement. And that's, that's a beautiful, uh, let me use the word reward as it were. There is a transaction and that transaction, as long as it is engaged in the proper manner, initiates an authorized momentum. Who will go for us? You are not qualified to say, here I am, 
send me because we would have had sight of him which led us to a place of activation and that activation initiated an authorized movement within us so friends i just want to share these few thoughts as we engage and interact with him to name back to you kelvin thank you Sharbert. um there's a lot here for us to discuss i pray that we do i pray that we really take advantage of um what we've heard here uh tonight uh, as you know these things are not when one comes before us and delivers the word it is not a performance it's not a performance it is an articulation of the heart of god to us and so when we consider it and receive it as such it it uh, it heightens our sight and and adds weight really to what is being said and so uh we don't grade messages we 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 hear god and we say yes and for me uh Charbert, i want to i want to thank you so much for uh, for sharing this and uh obeying the lord seeing things from christ's perspective and uh the things that were mentioned in that uh some of the things i captured i wrote down what what was uh what was said but it was one of the things that i really wanted to to deal with with this issue of the veil and um the question i was asking myself so here here it is the removal of the veil is really my understanding of the fact that i can never hide from god but i can hide from myself before god and this is what happened with adam uh actually uh because of his spiritual blindness he thought he was hiding from god and you know the bushes certainly weren't covering him and 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 the fig leaves were not covering him because his nakedness was from the inside and so uh these issues of shame become things that that surface and things that we consider that causes us to hide because that is not the kind of native relationship that god wants to have with us he brought jesus in on the scene to take care of sin the penalty of sin that would be the bridge so that we could have access and fellowship but this issue of sight is so critical so critical matthew chapter 5 says uh i think it's around the verse 8 it says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god so this issue of purity of heart activates our sight and um to go back to the point you made about isaiah it was so poignant again for me uh and these are all takeaways that i'm i'm having is these things begin to con well and continue to percolate inside of my heart um coming to a place as much as i've read isaiah and and what you've quoted here um i think it's very critical that we stay in the posture Isaiah stayed there long enough for the seraphims to get the live coal from the altar for his lips to be purged. He stayed there long enough 
but not only for his sight to be open, but for his ears to be open, to receive an assignment that he had not embraced prior to. So his eyes were open, his ears were open, and he heard a conversation and he volunteered because his shame was removed. And um, I think that when we start to get into issues of sight, um, uh, in, into these kind of examples. So I want to stay in the Bible advises us in, I think it's in the book of James, that whoever looks into the mirror of the word of God and continues, right, who remains inside of that space is a very, very, I mean, that, that changes the whole dynamics for us. So I'd like uh, for us to join in and um, just share. What did you hear? What did the what did the Lord say to you? I know he's visited us tonight through this word. Um, what are some of the things that you captured? And um, Mark and I were, were speaking and uh, um, we were sharing uh, certain things about, um, and, I, and I love this. I want to be around people, you all, that are, that are hungry for God because I'm telling you, I'm so tired of talk. I want activation, like Shabba was saying. I want activation. I want things to be activated in my life. I want to move from talking to action. And I really believe that that is, um, that's what needs to take place. So uh, it's wonderful to have all of these meetings. It's wonderful to have Bible studies, all of those kind of things. But I don't want to deceive myself in believing that transformation happens as a result of hearing. Or as Shabba mentioned, even seeing, because it's not revelation so much that changes us. Uh, revelation can illuminate us, but the actual transformation, we have to stay in that place where God finishes his work inside of our heart uh, and inside of our lives. So uh, is there someone who'd like to, to speak to this uh, very great uh, presentation here? Um, yes, 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 Mark, please. Yes, um, Shabbat, thank you, sir. Um, um, three things on my mind. Um, the first one, let me do this just so I don't lose. The first one has to do with the importance we place on site and what the results would be. The second thing is the example of Jesus Christ and the victory. And the third one is um, the book of Habakkuk, uh, three chapters, very, very interesting. So the first thing I want to say is, um, as we continue to live in this environment, the world that is surrounded, uh, we are surrounded with is going to become seemingly meaningless um, in so many ways because um, if I take my country for example and I look at what um, um, current political discourse looks like and current leadership looks like you are almost like what on children the
looking and agreeing and nodding things, the manner in which they are doing. You can see some political influence, but there's some level of uncle is we say there is no hope. And uh, for me, the the importance we place inside will determine the attention Jesus will give to us. So um, I want to have a posture of a cry. Lord, give me sight. Son of David, have mercy on me. Okay. Uh, we, were, we were losing Mark there, and I wanted to, I didn't want to interrupt him, but I wanted to certainly uh, hear what he said, as you all heard along with me, that there was some static involved and uh, uh, there were things that were missed there and we didn't want to miss them. Um, Mark, are, are you, have you returned with us? Uh, if you have, please repeat what you said at first. Uh, the connection was very bad and we want to be able to capture what, what was said there. Okay. okay. Hello, okay, Kevin, Mark. did we miss something? Yes, Mark, the first part, if you could go back over that again. Uh, your words were exaggerated and Hello, getting stuck. Yes, Mark, are you there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can any... Okay, you're going in and out. Can somebody uh, hear me, Kevin? I, I see your microphone is on, but I can't hear you. Yes, okay. Uh, okay you may good, want good, to reconnect. Good. Would you want to reconnect, Mark? Okay. Okay. okay okay because these things are too important to miss we need to capture is it no this network is not mark uh, we can hear you pretty good we can hear you pretty good you're loud yeah, and clear i can hear you i can hear you it's breaking maybe yeah Okay. Uh, we can't hear you, Mark. We cannot hear you. Okay. Uh, okay, Mark came off, but I uh, certainly wanted to hear um, and capture these things that, that Mark was sharing because uh, they're, they're not only uh, insightful, they're very prophetic and, and um, application of these things will be very, very important. So I wanted to make sure that we, we heard everything that was being said. Uh, as Mark 4 reminds us, Jesus says to take heed how you hear. Uh, many times people try to capture prof prophecy by memory. And a lot of the important and pertinent things are missed because they capture and, and hold on to certain aspects of that word and that prophecy and miss the contingencies that are connected, the implication and the processes that are connected to that, that prophecy. And so um, it's important that we capture these things and, and, and catch them. So that's why it was important to hear what Mark had to say. Was there somebody who wanted to make a comment before uh, Mark comes back on? Anyone, Your, the mic is open. Uh, what you heard and what you've captured, part of what Mark said and, and, and what um, Sharbert shared with us regarding sight the importance of sight. Uh, one of my favorite passages of scriptures uh, with the uh, Elisha's servant, and he woke up and saw all of these horses and chariots of, uh, uh, he saw the, the army, uh, Syrian army surrounding them. And one of the things uh, that, that came about 
uh, as seeing that, he was fearful and he questioned his master and said, look at all of these horses and look at all of these, the army that is surrounding us. And so Elisha, as you know, said to the Lord, Lord, open up his eyes that he may see. So while there was a reality that already existed that his servant did not see, his eyes had to be open to it. And once his eyes were open to the forces that were with him and Elisha, his fear went out the window. So there's something to be said for sight that banishes fear, sight that banishes uh, uh, trepidation and all of these things that reservation that we have. Uh, sight is able to bring us into a place of, place of freedom and confidence you know, as we uh, take on God's perspective, and as Charbert so beautifully uh, shared with us, all of these components. So, if you would just uh, just share some of your thoughts on what you what you heard, is there something that God highlighted to you personally about your life? Uh, is there something that connected for you that some of the dots were connected, or some of the uh, things that maybe you heard before you did you heard in a different way tonight? Please share those with us. The mic is open to anyone. This is very good. This was very, very good. It's a lot to think about. It is. Um, sometimes I, um, when I'm hearing the word of God, uh, I don't really want to talk. I don't want to say anything. And then sometimes I'm not really sure how to appropriate what I heard because it comes across as scrambled eggs, kind of like, you know, like the thoughts aren't really, you know, amalgamated. So um, there's that that issue too. All right, wonderful, Mark. It looks like you've returned. Mark, can you please share with us your initial thoughts? You had three things that you were uh, sharing and breaking down i like to be able to capture those. Okay. Mark, are you back with us? Okay, Kevin, yes. Uh, is Beautiful. it better? Loud and clear. Perfect. Okay. All right. So um, I was just saying that there are three things that um, as I listened to Shabbat, uh, even more, but these three for now. The first one is the importance and the value we place on sight. Uh, the battles of this end time is, is it has to do with sight and blindness. Who is able to see through and see beyond and have the correct perspective? Who is able to see through the Father's eyes? And that is of grave requirement on, 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 uh, in, in these last days. The Bible actually says that God himself looks from heaven to, to see among the sons of men. If there is anyone that understands, anyone that seeks after him. So discernment, clear sight, clear um, uh, laser disappearing sight that separates and, and discriminates between things and, and, and points exactly to what, what is behind or what is beyond uh, the surface is critical and the value that we place on this thing will determine 
how much Jesus will stop to pay attention to us. And that is seen in blind Bartimaeus. Um, everybody around had a certain perspective of the man Jesus was passing by. But he had a certain sight that pierced beyond the natural, that pierced beyond just one of those prophets. He actually zeroed in and called him son of David, son of David. And he began to cry out. Even when he was asked to shut up, he cried out. When he was asked not to bother him, he cried out. And that value that we will place on site will lead us to a place of, um, should I say prayer, a place of a call, a place of agitation, a place of movement that will cause us to come into that true reality. So we want to place value on it. Um, this call from Shabbat um, is important, particularly in the season where things are changing very fast and where the world is in a sense of flexibility, almost as if going to explode, um, almost as if things are on roller coaster. Um, our plans are hitting the road and we are clearly seeing a gap between everything. Uh, a lot of things don't make sense. We need to be filled with faith and hope that is produced out of a perspective that is beyond this um, curvature of time, these upheavals, uh, the confusions in, in, in our cities and nations and even our individual lives and all. Uh, somebody having a very great business and suddenly the business just disintegrates and it looks as if this person um, is on a downward spiral. We need to have the right side to see beyond that and be comforted and to have the faith to reach out to the next level or to wait for that chain to come depending on what the site produces. Secondly, um, I was talking about Jesus Christ when I, I'm sure you, you couldn't hear me, about Jesus Christ coming to the fig tree, the Bible says that it wasn't the season of fig, but Jesus went demanding fig. It's sight. Everybody would have said, this must be a mad person exercising some mad and foolish faith, but this man was seeing fruit in the, in the spirit realm and so demanded fruit in the natural. I tell you, the very first car I drove, the very first car I drove, I remember in the month of April, um, in the month of April, we were in a meeting. Um, our church meeting had just started in that particular year. And um, I had a man who met me in a taxi, long story short, who met me somewhere and said he wanted to visit me in my church and see, and see all these powerful things I was talking to him about, how they look like. So he came with a wife. This man does not believe in speaking in tongues. So in this meeting, several things will happen. The man started speaking in tongues. As we were worshiping, I remember very well, I saw a car key that fell on a carpet. I saw this vision. So I bowed down to pick the car key because it was so real. So I bowed down to pick the car key. And then I realized my hand touched the, the carpet, the ground. And I'm like, whoa, this is a vision. Now, would you believe that this happened in April or May, one of those? 15th of December, I got the first car. Exactly the key I saw. Exactly the design, the shape of the key I saw. 
I can tell countless um, of experience and examples. But the point is this. Jesus in the natural wasn't seeing fig trees. But in the supernatural was fig tree. So he went to the fig tree demanding fruits. We need to live by a certain perspective that is beyond. And lastly, Habakkuk, chapter one, he cried out. He talked about the disaster, the injustice and all. Chapter two, um, he said he would mount upon his watchtower and listen to see what the Lord would say and how he would answer him. You can see that this prophet at that point was really angry, was not happy with God, almost as if he would want to ask God to move from the throne for him to reign. There's a movie, Bruce the Almighty. You may, you may want to watch that movie. It's hilarious, but got a lot in there to teach us. Bruce says that God was not doing his work because he was always seen injustice. So God gave me an opportunity to rule the world. Is it one day or three days? He did a whole, he messed up everything around him. He used power for himself. That seems to be the situation of Habakkuk. In chapter three, Habakkuk says that revive your works in the midst of the years. We have heard of you. That is why we came. In the midst of your, in the midst of the years, revive your works. He says that though um, there's no fig tree on the tree, I will yet rejoice in the Lord. Though the stable will be empty, I will yet rejoice in the Lord. I will praise the Lord because he has seen the act and the work of God. Um, call it increase. Call it opportunities. Call it things about to happen which the natural does not conform to immediately. And he lives by that reality. So he lives in a place of an ascent of joy and all. These are the three things I thought of uh, making mention of. Thank you, Shabek. Thank you, Kelvin. Mark, uh, before you go, please. Um, there was a comment here because I have this question and I joined Veronica with this question. This is a lot to digest. So in this moment, in this moment, how do we, how do we receive a word of this magnitude uh, in, a, in a real way? I just wanted to ask you, how do we receive this word? We know about Mary and, you know, she said uh, to the angel, be it done unto me according to your word. And um, how do we posture ourselves to receive a word like this? Because as Veronica said, this is a lot to digest and, and it is. It's a lot to digest. So, and we don't want to waste. We don't want to overlook. We don't want to be haphazard, uh, 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 take a haphazard approach about this word. So how would you suggest we receive uh, this word uh, from the Lord? Oh, Kelvin, you've, um, I find some answers in your comment. And I feel this is going to be explosive. Um, in that there is a lot in the same um, question and the answers that I also find in your comments and, um, and more also, I believe, as others will share. I find two things in your comment. The first one that jumped at me is there is more working out. The requirement for careful management. Let me, let me, let me start from here. The requirement for careful management of what we receive and what we hear. You see, there's so much of teaching. I mean, when you go on social media, somebody's teaching, somebody's saying something, somebody's writing an article, 
you open your YouVersion Bible, people have all kinds of devotionals out there. The Lord is speaking. Voice, the voice of the Lord is out there. But there is a need for careful management of the, the revelation of Christ that is sent to you and I. You need to carefully manage it. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. Careful management for, for, for everything that is committed to us. Now, flowing out of that, we must know that the more is working against that which we are receiving, more, more is working against about 75% of what we receive get, get lost in the process of hearing, get lost of falling by the wayside, and the bed of the essence of this warfare. Satan is working actively to take it away from us, whether by forgetfulness or what. The Bible talks of that which fell within the tongues um, um, and the vicissitudes, the, the cares of this world. They choked them. They competed with um, the vitality that this seed is supposed to um, contain in this seed, and that ought to be made evident. The cares of this world they continue to compete with it. And careful management requires that I begin to slow down to the speed of what I have received. Now, sometimes we are almost like I'm catching this. Oh, I'm, I need to do this. I need to, I need to do that. And in the process, I am not paying attention. Even if I want to chase after everything that I need to do, I want to pay attention to the things that I received. And in that same parable, Jesus talks about um, the one that fell on good ground. That is 25%. So the one that fell by the roadside, the wayside, the one that fell on good ground, the one that fell uh, among tons, and the last one I think I've forgotten. Please, Kelvin, if you remember somebody. There were five, four on rocks. On rocks. Rock. So yeah. they lacked, they lacked, they lacked foundation. So we see in it the processes that we ought to engage in order to bring this thing through. How do you sow a seed on a rock? It's impossible. So I want to give myself wholly to that which I'm receiving. I want to make time for it. I want to hear it again and again. I had a lecturer back in school say, this question, in fact, he gave me, I would say he gave me confidence to approach the professional paper without any fear. Mine, he made you, uh, he made you and figures to become friends. He said, this question I'm giving to you, solve it 20 times. And it wasn't joke. I don't know if he was speaking prophetically. I don't know if, 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 if it was out of experience. So we need to solve this discourse or the things that we have received that God is committed to us 20 times. I need to listen again and again and again. And as I listen, I want to press into it because more is working against what I'm receiving compared to what I'm able to retain. So 75% of what we receive get lost and therefore we need to give ourselves holy, making commitment, making adjustments, um, paying attention, 
pushing things to the side and say, okay, I'm going to focus on this and work myself through it. The second thing I found in your question is the quote on Mary. Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. And that is a very severe statement to make. And we, we all need to come into that discourse. I am receiving your word with the consequence and the price that comes with it. That is what Mary was saying. I am receiving this word with the consequence and the price that I ought to pay as a result of this word being received. I am a virgin. You said I'm going to get pregnant and have a baby. I receive your word being unto me according to your word. So I will be stoned for, for losing my virginity and, and cast out and thrown out. I bring shame and disgrace to my family. The point is that what we are receiving this evening concerning sight is going to cause us. Apostle Paul coming down the road of Damascus lost sight of his own personal pursuit and ambition. Sight is not my personal pursuit and ambition. So I would come into this encounter by this word where suddenly certain appetites, spiritual appetite, physical appetite, certain things that I love and I've given myself wholly to TV, 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 the Nikki Cruz story, um, the man who was involved um, in getting Nikki Cruz born again said that the Lord asked him to Um, was it was it no was it Nicky Cruz himself or the some somebody? He said the Lord asked him to spare plate, yeah. one hour of his TV watching time to pray for the gang in the city. So the TV, a lot of them. Oh, you're losing me again. Sorry. Let me. Oh, uh, this thing went off. No, you you you're good. You're good, Mark. Uh, you talk about Dave you. Wilkerson. Dave Wilkerson. Uh, 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 Nicky Cruz. Dave Wilkerson. Yes, Dave Wilkerson. So he, the Lord asked him to. To dedicate one hour of his TV watching time, and he did, and that led to Nikki Cruz being born again. So, um, um, we want to get into careful management. We want to receive the word with the consequence it brings. It will deprive us of certain opportunities. We want to receive it so. We want to give ourselves wholly to it. So, these are the two things that I believe can be very explosive and expanded upon and many others that friends can share. That's my talk, thank you. Thank you so much, Mark, we appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I captured uh, inside of what Mark was explaining was um, seeing beyond the, the changing landscapes. You know, sometimes we, and this is what happened with Peter on the water, right? Um, he remained buoyant and he was able to walk on the water because of sight but he started sink, sinking because of sight and that's why the scripture says i think in second corinthians 4 18 somewhere around there he says uh while we look not while we look not so it becomes a matter of focus for us and so uh sometimes the landscape of life will change. Things can be going well, and all of a sudden, boom, here's crisis. And this is what Sharbert spoke to as well. And so how do we manage, as Mark just put, how do we manage these moments? You know, uh, I really believe, and I'd like to hear from you all. I really would like to hear from you all. I, I really believe that much of our growth, a lot of our growth, a significant part, 
of our spiritual development and maturity uh, has to do with a root system. The Lord showed me one time that when I was going through a period of time where it seemed like I couldn't feel him, like I was not growing, uh, I did not know what was happening to me. It seemed like I was just existing because I had no evidence. There was a changing landscape inside of my life. And so the Lord showed me um, about the root system that I was growing, but I was growing downward. I wasn't growing above ground where you could actually see it. I was growing down underneath the ground um, in a root system. Now the root system was only evident in my time of storm. And so when I was going through difficulty, um, I found a strength coming over me that, that really kind of puzzled me. And the Lord referred me to what he told me about the root system being, being built. And so it, it caused me to, to remain strong and steadfast, even be, it wasn't my own ability. I was growing downward. And so the roots had somehow got underneath the earth of my heart and wrapped around a rock. And so the tree would bend, but it would not break. So there's something to be said about our growth that is downward as well. Uh, as opposed to uh, above the uh, above the earth. I want to read this, before, and, and while you're preparing your question, I want to read this, what Paul tells Timothy. And here's another thing I would like to submit right along with what Mark had mentioned about the management of this word. Paul tells uh, Timothy in second, uh, first Timothy chapter four, um, verse number 14. 1 Timothy 4 and 14, he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. This is no American standard. This, this is the part I wanna, I wanna get to, and it's spoken in line with what Mark was saying. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. This is speaking to what Mark talked about with the going back over and over and over, listening over and over again. Be absorbed in these things. So we can hear God speaking to us afresh so that your progress may be evident to all that it would you know, grow and, and be fruitful and so forth. And then he says, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. Persevere in these things so that uh, in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself and for those who hear you. So this issue of taking pains, this issue of taking pains, I think is really, really crucial and, and, uh, and vital. So thank you for that, Mark. Thank you so much for that clarity and, and, and sharing those things. Anyone would like to speak to uh, what you received from uh, Sharbert yeah. tonight and what, yes. Please do. Yes, thank you, Galvin and Mark. Hi, Unika. So good to hear your voice. Yeah, good to hear you guys too. Um, so, one second. Yeah. Um, you know, as I'm listening, uh, um, my heart is a bit sad, you know. Um, You know, as as Mark was speaking, I was uh, something just dropped in my spirit about 
site and uh, one of the consequences of site, I think he spoke to that as well. It, there are consequences, right? I know one of, uh, there was a time, I, if I have an old Bible, uh, a few years back and, and there was this Bible first I wrote as a prayer, I said, <laughs> Uh, in the 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 the, the very well known verse in uh, Ephesians one seventeen that God <laughs> would open the eyes of my understanding and uh, it speaks so that He allows me to see and um, just looking at, at at my life now and the process that the Lord has been bringing through I'm very much cognizant of how, um, sorry about that, how um, site wells, site has its upsides, right? But there are also, there's a price you have to be willing to pay and that price, it's a price that I think every son, every daughter pays. And I, I see Jesus so clearly because you will have to live in an environment where you would learn to work with the misunderstandings of those around you and still remain purposeful. It is also that side that um, would, would, that places you, and if I look at my life, it places me for choices where I choose to let go just to uphold the cross before. And it's just like Jesus said, because I've been hearing this in my uh, spirit. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. You cannot love the world. You cannot love relationships more than Jesus, right? And uh, I was just thinking about that. Sight has a price, has a, a really heavy price. And so <laughs> I was just, and I having the discourse in my mind, I was just saying, boy, maybe if I know a few years, because that was a prayer for years, and it still is a prayer. It makes you seem so weird for people, no? When, because you talk not from, it's just about wanting to know the father wanting to know what he desires for us and uh, i was I, I just wanted to share that about um how i uh, how, how i've been experiencing that another thing that i was reminded of is uh about uh, it's, it's actually written in mark chapter one and it comes down to that side keeps us in purpose right it keeps us focused. Here we have in Mark chapter one, we have 
Jesus starting his ministry. And he started calling the disciples. And uh, to a certain point, he, he, he goes to the house of Simon. He heals his mother-in-law. And in that same night, many crowd, a great crowd came to the house. And the Bible speaks that he healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out demons. You know, but then in the early morning, the Bible says in Mark chapter 135, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. And then you read further and then you see Simon and his companions. The Bible says they were eagerly searching for him. And, they, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. So you have to imagine, right? Simon is like the star has, a, has seen a mighty move of God in his house. Many people are there. And for Simon, that is the glory already, you know? And it is glorious what is happening. But Jesus left that place. And I find it so interesting that he went to pray and he went to, to his father. He went to a place of rest. And then what did Jesus answer him? For Simon and the others, it was about, you know, yeah, actually saying to Jesus, come back, you know, come, let's, let's do this thing. And, and Jesus is saying to him in chapter 38, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> to the towns. Let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may also preach there. For this is why I came. This is why I came. And glory is defined when we have sight. What is glory? What is purpose? Has another definition than what the world in our humanist places. I just want to share this, you know. Unica, that was, uh, this is very good. I actually spoke the very same thing on a call yesterday that mm -hmm. you were not on. It was the very same story, bringing out the very same point. I want to ask you, Unique, if I could, this is kind of like a, a personal question, if I could. Um, what moved you about you citing this story? What, what, what moves you? What, what touched your heart about it? What, can you kind of extract what becomes real real to you in your heart regarding how that story played out? What part really touched you? I think it's, um, you know, Jesus is just my, <laughs> it's just Jesus in how he handled the whole situation. That moves me the most. Um, even yeah. now, when my heart is a bit sad, I'm, I'm just seeing my whole life, you know, 
the things that we place value on. And you also, what I also see is the humanness of Jesus. He needed to get away from all the, what seemed like the revival. He shows his utter need for him to come back to focus. Because it was after that moment of, did you say seclusion? Mm -hmm. A moment of seclusion with his father. He, 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 he could redirect with a heavy pressure. Yeah. And um, for me, when I'm, I'm thinking about also my own life, coming from a family of ministers and being in ministry my whole life through ups and downs, there were certain things then that I valued. But now that I see, and it was my prayer always to do, to do, to go to that real place in when those moments of seclusion, when I was wetting the carpet with my tears and asking God for yes, sight. But then I never knew that the price would be leaving that all behind. But then there is just this strength huh, that you can, that one person can move many others to come back to a place of purpose because that is what Jesus, he could convince all of them to go and move from where they were and to preach a gospel. So yeah, just sharing that process with you. Great question. Beautiful, um, beautiful, Yonika. Thank you so much for that. And what I wanted like to point out is um, what I mentioned about right after Sharbert gave the presentation, we are not performers. Uh, Peter in his excitement was looking for Jesus to perform. But in his zeal, that, you know, you understand that, that, you know, Jesus was just here, my mother-in-law, okay, I got a crowd over here that, you know, wants to see you do more. Well, Jesus rose up early for that reason to find out what was the father's assignment for that day. So before the world could grab him, before good ideas could arrest him, before the preferences of others, you know, could get a hold of his, his heart. He got what he needed from his father and the father gave him assignment for that day, which is why he said, let's go to the next town. Because certainly I can go there and I have the power to heal, but it's better to be where my father requires me to be than to be where I'm, 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 I'm being solicited. I'm being asked to come. It, it, you know, and it's not a bad thing, but it could not superintend above what Jesus was, uh, was devoted and called to. He was called to do his father's bidding. And it's amazing, you all, how, um, and thank you again, Unique, for sharing uh, what you did, your, your feedback and capturing this, this moment and sharing with us. Um, I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus, every day of his life, had some kind of view of the cross. He knew what he came to do and got right to the precipice in Gethsemane 
got right there. He knew this cross was before him every single day. And all he had was three and a half years. Or he may have had, you know, three, you know, 30, he was 30, and then started with three and a half years. But he always had this cross ahead of him. How about living with that burden that one day you know you're going to die alone and you, you're going to, you know, nobody that you're healing and feeding today is going to be there except your mother and John and maybe a few other people, but it won't be this big crowd because this will be your moment and you'll need somebody and they won't be available. Jesus, I, I'm sure he had foresight of this. He got right to the... Uh, He got right to the uh, point of, uh, you know, what the Lord told him to do. And so he said, Father, if it be any other way, let this cup pass. Let this cup pass. Even though he knew what he came to do. And I'm so glad that that was captured in scripture. That Jesus showed a side of us, showed a side of himself for us to let us see what it's like to be an oppressed knowing what you came to do, and then the difficulty in making that decision to go beyond. So as he prayed further, that's when he was able to get the grace and, and the strength because he couldn't count on his disciples. They, they were weary. They were weary. And uh, so, yeah, you know, and I, and I share also, Unique, on a personal level, um, what it's like to walk away. And so walking away from the disciples' father who dropped their nets and followed Jesus. The Bible said they left their father. Um, to the father, it looked like one thing. To Jesus, it looked like these are disciples who are following. To the father, it looked like my sons are leaving. But it all comes down to who we are following. We're, you know, I have to leave anybody or any preference or any job or any situation um, to follow Jesus. And I'm telling you, there is a price. Like you said, there's a price for sight. There's a price for it. There's a price for it. So I, I want to thank you again for that. All right. Is anyone else with a comment or question before we go? I'd like to uh, have a word of prayer first, certainly before we, uh, before we go. But I'd like to hear some of your comments or thoughts. Okay. All right. Well, if no one has, uh, has a comment or if you have a question you want to put in the chat or a statement you want to put in the chat, that would be great. Like Veronica said, this was a lot to digest, but uh, I'm really, really grateful that the Lord is able to, to break it down for us and give us uh, insight into things that he is, he's asking and requiring of us. Let's continue to ask God to remove the scales from our eyes. Sometimes, you know, uh, we're all blind to something. We're all blind to something. And, um, you know, it's important that we go to God to get our sight. Um, sometimes we're blind and, and it's unintentional. Sometimes the blindness is not our fault. There was a gentleman in, I think, John chapter 9, they want to know who sinned, this man over his parents. Well, you know, how, how did judgment come upon this man? Jesus said, neither. This was reserved that the works of God could be manifested in him. So, you know, yeah, we're all blind to something, even if it's the next move of God, or what it is that we, you know, God wants us to do. We're all blind to something. That's, 
that's not the bad part. The bad part is, uh, the good part is, the good news in that is that we have the Lord Jesus to come to who can give us sight and help us where we get stuck. So, all right, friends, I want to, at this time, I'd like for us to pray. Really would like for us to pray. Uh, and uh, if there's a prayer upon your heart you'd like to join in with me with, that would be wonderful. But there's some some things upon my heart that I really would like to, to share after this word and uh, things that we've heard and the feedback with Mark and with Unica and the presentation with uh, with Shabbat and and so I'd like to like to come before the Lord. Father, we we thank you so very much. What a awesome and what a blessed time to gather around your word. Lord, we want to be custodians of this word. We want to be good stewards over this word. We don't want to be um, hearers only. James tells us that if we're hearers only, we will deceive ourselves. Lord, the hour is too late for us to deceive ourselves. There's too much to do. You're calling upon us to, to get activated. Lord, show us the things that we must do, and then also show us the people we must become. Because there is a doing and there is a becoming inside of this process. And Lord, give us the wisdom to know the difference. Give us the wisdom, Lord, to know the things that we should pray about and the things we should change. Not to change, not to pray about the things we should be changing, and not to um, pray about things we need to change. Lord, so I just pray that you would help us in all of these areas. Thank you for Shabbat. Thank you for Unica. And thank you for. Uh, the time that he spent in delivering this word to us, Lord, and coming before you to speak to us from your word and from your spirit. Lord, I pray that this word would continue to uh, brood over us, that we would call on you for sight, accurate sight, to hear and see what you're saying in this season, in this time of our lives. Lord, give us the grace to pay the price for sight. Lord, give us the the wisdom to know how to navigate through these seasons and through the changing landscapes of our, our day and time. Father, I thank you for every family that's represented on this call. Thank you, Lord. You know where each of us are. You know where we are. You know our frame. You know the calling, the assignment that you've placed upon us. Lord, let this installment linger inside of our hearts. Let it continue to churn inside of us, Lord, in a very real way. Lord, we cannot make this journey without you. We can't do it apart from you. So we humbly come to you, our Savior, our Father, our Redeemer, our help, our strength, our guide, our protection, our wisdom. Lord, thank you. Thank you. We are complete in you. So, Father, we just ask a special um, request, Lord, that you would move upon Unica, you would touch, Father, her, her body, that you would move, and Father, by your divine providence and your will, that you would cause your healing virtue to permeate her very body, Lord. There would be um, solutions and that there would be answers to the things, oh God, that there are questions about. Lord, we know that she is in the palm of your hand. Lord, there was some psalmist that 
thought that you would forget. Um, and I believe it, was, or it could have been Isaiah that said, I've inscribed you on the palm of my hand. I can never forget you. Can a, a nursing mother forget her child right there being nursing? No. And you said you would not forget us. And Father, let that word insulate us. Let it insulate our hearts. Let it caress us. Let it give us peace and comfort during these troubled times. Father, remember our friend Anderson Williams. Father, we are praying. We are calling upon you, Father, to, to touch his body, to heal him. Father, that you would give him strength in his body. Lord, that your will, your plan, and your purpose would be done in, with, and through his life. Oh, God, we come before you. Give us a prayerful spirit. Give us a, a heart of prayer. Give us a desire, Lord, to come before you, that our prayer would move from just a desire, that it would emerge and grow and mutate into a discipline, and that it would go from that to a delight where it's not even a chore or work or anything we even think about, that we, we, we cannot um, think about. As Mark says, that prayer would be like oxygen to us. Lord, let these things be. Reveal to us mysteries in our prayer. Reveal to us your purpose in the prayer. Let it bring transformation to our lives, our hearts, and our minds. Lord, we call upon you. We call upon you. We need you so desperately in this time. Lord, I thank you that we're in this world and not of it. So while the world is being judged, while the earth is being judged, while it's going through the changes, we're in it, but we're not of it. You said in your word in Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light is coming. The glory of the Lord will be risen upon you. Thank you, Father, that your glory will be risen upon us, even in the midst of this dark world. Lord, help us to shine and radiate Christ in the earth. Let it be as distilled and as micro as the relationship in our homes, and let it be as macro as and evident as our public engagements. Father, we want you to be seen. Give us a, a, a spirit of prayer. Lord, I ask for this. Give us a spirit of prayer, a desire to, to come before you. But there's such a delight and a joy in being in your presence. Lord, I ask this. Continue to muse, help us to muse on these things and to, these things would be formed inside of us. The desire to be close to you to hear you and to obey. Father, thank you for this sight. Thank you for this word. Lord, again, look upon everybody on this call. Thank you for Mark Ekbeko, Father. Thank you for uh, using him, Father, and leading him and guiding him through these studies and how he makes them available to the body of Christ. Thank you for that. Look upon his wife, Gilda. Look upon his family and children. Father, give him strength for this weekend, the things that um, that, that are before him, that he will be doing and working for your glory. Continue to strengthen his body. Give him uh, the insight, Lord, and the physical endurance to do all the things that are brought to bear. Father, I thank you so much for our precious family on this call. Father, we give you praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God.
Let your glory be revealed. Let your glory be revealed, Lord. Let your glory be revealed. Heal, Lord. Heal, Lord, in the name of Jesus. For your glory. We thank you. You're an awesome father. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for your word. Father, by virtue of the fact that you speak to us is such a such an honor, such a joy. May we never diminish that privilege of being able to hear your voice. Thank you. Lord, we know there's coming a time with famine for the hearing of your word will come. We thank you we're able to hear your word today and be changed by it in Jesus' name. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you so much. Again, Shabbat, thank you for this word you shared. Mark, I'm not sure if you're able to unmute your mic. Uh, it could be difficult for you, but um, again, we thank you, dear brother. We, we thank God for you and for your example and uh, for each of you who's joined us tonight. Those of you that are listening by recording, thank you for tuning in. And um, as normal, um, for those of you on with us, Mark will be getting this out. And um, so we're really looking forward to hearing this over again. So friends, thank you so much and have a pleasant good night. So it's goodbye for now. Be well, everyone. Thank you, Kelvin. And yeah. uh, I wish everyone happy holidays. Uh, yeah. Great time yeah. with family and friends. Yes. And see you with yes, God's willing here. Very well. <laughs> Very well, Thank for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Unique and Chabra. Very good. Good to see you, Theo. Good to see you, Albert. Good to see you, um, Veronica. Good to see all of you all on. Beautiful. Bye for now.